Hello and welcome to the latest Red Robin Heritage Cast, which is of course brought to you in partnership with Budget Tires Auto Centre and 360 Chartered Accountants. Today's guest is a former New Zealand international who represented Melbourne Storm and the Gold Coast Titans before making his move to East Yorkshire to join the Robins in 2008, pending an initial three-year deal. He went on to make 105 appearances for the club, scoring 41 tries in all competitions and played a key role in one of the club's most successful periods in recent years, helping the club to a fourth-place finish in 2009. He also helped the club qualify for the playoffs in the following two years before moving on to join the Castleford Tigers at the end of the 2012 season. Whilst at the Tigers, our guests helped them reach a Challenge Cup final and Super League Grand Final and win a League Leader Shield before departing to join the Bradford Bulls. And at the ripe old age of 38, our guest is yet to throw in the towel with him continuing to play for the Keithley Cougars in what is his testimonial season. Our latest Red Robin Heritage cast guest is Jake Webster. How are you doing, Jake? Uh, awesome, bye. How are you? Yeah, yeah, really good. Thanks, mate. And, and thank you for joining us on the on the Heritage cast. Really popular with uh, a lot of Rover supporters, and it's great to to get a bit of insight into former players' time at the club. Because obviously, as fans, sometimes we don't get to you know see everything. Um, you know what goes on behind the scenes. So it's uh, it's great that you've been able to join us. Um, Pre-season training, how's that gone for you? Uh, it's just a, it's just another year, you know. Um, it, it's been exceptionally long this time. Um, we still haven't even started our season, so uh, we started mid-November. Um, I think we we had Challenge Cup about five six weeks ago, which we were knocked out of. Which uh, we just put a. A first team out there and then uh, our first game was just on the weekend against Oldham um, just as a trial match so uh, yeah it's been a long time coming but good to be back out in the field playing yeah and obviously it's not your first pre-season is it does it ever get any easier oh no nah. no nah, they don't they're not enjoyable they're not fun um, they're cold they're wet they're tiring um, you know just Something you look forward to is, is your first game, so uh, it's not too long away now. We've got a few weeks before, um, I think, Oldham, uh, 27th of March. Yeah, and just we'll we'll talk about your time at Keefley at the end of the podcast. Yeah. But how hard was it, obviously, to play a Challenge Cup game when you've probably not been doing that much training? Or, you know, it must have been difficult for the players, fitness-wise, and, and probably all your combinations and stuff like that. It must have been difficult for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had a bit of a different, um, uh, different start to our preseason. You know, we had a, had a big, uh, decent turnover of players, so we knew it was going to be long. Um, so before Christmas, it was just teaching, um, teaching how we wanted to play. Reese, our coach, uh, was just training all the boys up, just pretty much, um, you know, on the notepads, on the uh, TV screens, and then just doing a little bit of ball work. And um, you know, the Challenge Cup fell right in the middle of our. Um, of our teaching phase so we went out there with pretty much little to no experience that were on the field you know players that haven't played many games in, in the last two years due to covid um you know and we just you know we just went out there really just to blow some cobwebs away um and i think the results showed that uh we lost to, to the better side and um you know but the boys were better for it we, we got a lot of footage from it and um some knowledge to, to build the rest of our preseason. Yeah, I suppose it's just a shame that you've got to do it in a knockout competition where, yeah, where you, know, definitely. you know, it's a shame yeah. it yeah. works out like that. But, Jake, t tell us about um, growing up over in Australia, obviously born in Melbourne, um, your early career, sort of how you got into rugby league and, 
and how he then went on to sign for the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, well, um, uh, yeah, I was born in Melbourne, uh, as you said. Uh, moved from Melbourne to Brisbane. Um, Dad took me up there, uh, I think, 300 days of sunny year compared to Melbourne, um, where it was four seasons in one day was more appealing to him. So he moved up there and that's, you know, Brisbane's what, you know, football over here is what, you know, rugby is over there. Yeah. You know, every kid's running around with a rugby ball in their hand or, um, you know, playing at lunchtime. Um, so that's how I got into it through dad. Um, didn't start playing till the age of eight. You know, I was a tiny kid, um, probably one of the smallest running around uh, for my age. Um, so dad was pretty protective of me. But um, just growing up on the sidelines, watching him play, um, I always knew I wanted to play and and be a professional rugby league player. But you know, I didn't know what it took. But um, you know, I'd, he he pretty much guided me through my whole my whole junior career. Um, I played at Valley's Diehards, which was just across the river. You know, it was just a convenience thing. Um, but they were a great club. Uh, you know, good family club. Dad was um, very fond of them, so I played there till I was. Um, see, this is how my memory's going. That's how old I am at the moment. That's how old I feel. <laughs> um, probably 16, um, where I was scouted by Anthony Griffin, who was a Melbourne Storm uh, feeder club coach, which was the Norse Devils. Uh, I can't remember the year, 2000, maybe. Um, yeah, I think it was 2000, my last year of school. Um, and then just went down there for a few trial games and played in their under-19s. Um, and then that year, I was signed on a scholarship-based contract with Melbourne Storm. So that's how all that began. And um, just made my way through the ranks. Uh, reserve grade, Queensland Cup. Um, Mark Murray was the coach. Uh, went down there for my first preseason. I think 2000. I think it was 2000 or 2001. Um, yeah, so that's when, as you said, that's how many pre-seasons I've done. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Talk to us about um, feeder team level, because obviously we're used to it in this country, having the, um, you know, Super League, Championship, League One, and obviously we've just reintroduced a reserve grade rugby again after after COVID. Um, what kind of standard is, is, is would North Devils be like? Um, well, their under-19s would definitely probably be reserve grade you know and then you've got reserve grade which is a step above uh you've got queensland cup which would be your championship you know there's a lot of nrl players that get you know uh farmed out um you usually have feeder teams that go in so north devils with melbourne so we'd be getting anywhere from seven to eight full-time players you know seven eight nine ten maybe full-time players back every week um, to play with us, so that, you know that in full-time NRL system. So it, it is a high-quality standard, and um, you'd probably say a few of the top teams it, it would give a couple of Super League teams run for their money back in that day. You know, I'm not too sure about it now because I don't watch it, but I, I still think it's a, a pretty high standard for sure. Yeah, and you made yeah. a debut for for the Melbourne Storm first team in uh, in 20, uh, 2003. So what's that? Nearly 19 years ago, I think. Um, yeah, a long time. Yeah, lining up, I mean, alongside Billy Slater, Cameron yeah. uh, Smith, Stephen Kearney, Dallas Johnson, you know, some real, real big hitters. And I think he was also the first player born in Melbourne to, to actually represent the Storm. 
Yeah, yeah, so that's a bit of a... It must be, yeah, it must have been a proud moment for you, not only to be making your debut, but obviously the, the heritage side of, of being born in Melbourne and then to go and represent the Storm. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, it, it is a big thing. Um, I, I, you know, I've got a lot of family that are still in Melbourne. Um, you know, I still have fond memories of Melbourne and I love Melbourne when I did live there. Um, but to, to, you know, to represent them also just a start-up club um, was, you know, a very proud moment as well. So it was a, it, it was quite a big, big occasion for me and my whole family. Yeah, and, and you, you represented Melbourne between 2003, 2006, 49 appearances, 28 tries, you know, pretty decent record for such a, you know, a young a young kid coming into the game and, and, and getting to to learn the ropes and all stuff like that. Um, you started out at winger. Was that was that always your favourite position? No, I was never a winger. Um, I was always a centre. Dad always said, um, become a good centre because there's not many good ones out there. You know, Steve Renoff, Ruben Wickey uh, were my sort of people that I, I watched as I was coming up and, um, you know, sort of tried to mould my game off. Um, and then, but, you know, first grade, I, I debuted at centre. Um, and then, you know, I just wanted to be in the team. So wherever they put me, I'd I'd play. So, you know, I played, a, I think, a, I don't even know, maybe another 10 or 15 games on the wing. Um, that was the year after, though. Uh, I think the Rovers fans would know I was quite injury prone, quite young. Um, but, yeah, that was my first big injury after my first, uh, my debut. I, I had a serious injury, which kept me out for the rest of the year. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we'll talk about when you was at Rovers and you know some of the injuries that you did receive. Was yeah. that a feature of you being sort of a being a young player that you, you was picking up knocks regularly, or or did you seem to just get big injuries regular and, and that kept you out for long periods of time? Yeah, I didn't. You know, I didn't get any injuries when I was younger, um, but I didn't do any sort of extra training either. You know, I just let my body grow and develop. And then all of a sudden, um, going full time, never touching a weight before I went full time. I think it just put that much stress on my body that quickly that um, you know the the ligaments, the joints couldn't handle it. Um, you know, I went from seventy nine kilos to ninety three in three and a half four months. You know, and that's I was always going to have the potential to be a bigger person because of my dad. You know, the genes. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, to put it on that quick and, and, and you know, uh, still be training that physically and playing such a physical game, I think it took a toll on my body. Um, you know, the amount of running we did in Melbourne was ridiculous. Um, the, you know, the amount of training we did was second to none. So, uh, you know, the body just being that young and not, not being trained, uh, being seasoned to it, I think, you know, took its toll definitely. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the big changes now about... Um, when you look at academy rugby and stuff like that, the, the sports science that's behind it is so much more advanced, isn't it? That, you know, you've got kids now who are 14, 15, 16, 17, and they're getting individual training programmes and, the, yeah. and there's some real science behind it. Whereas I suppose even even back then, you know, you'd think technology, et cetera, would be quite advanced, but obviously, you know, it was still basic in a lot of respects. Yeah, definitely was. You know, it's if you could walk, you could run. If you could run, you could train. If you could train, you could beat each other up. You know, that's that's to the extent that, that when I first started, you know, I think they bought something out just as I was leaving where they put something on your ear to see if you had enough sleep, you know, mm -hmm. and you, I don't know what it was that tested your oxygen levels or and then took a bit of blood and that was the first bit I saw. Um, and, you know, you could see it was heading in the right direction. 
but yeah, when we when we were coming through, you know, if you, if you were sore, you had a massage and got out there, or you know, jumped in an ice bath. You know, all, all those still things, all those things still do apply, but there's just so much more um, in depth. You know, physicality, testing, trainings, and all that sort of stuff that that um that has definitely come into the game, which is I think you know you know hopefully uh, give everyone a longevity in the game. Yeah, I was just going to ask because I suppose it, it's difficult to put your finger on it, but. Do you think there's anything that happened or didn't happen in them early early stages of your career that might have impacted on you in the later stages in terms of injuries and stuff like that? Um, nothing that I could pinpoint really. It, just the physicality of the training. Melbourne uh, is renowned for being, you know, being pretty tough. Yeah. You know, but you know the one thing that I I do take away from that is that if I wasn't at Melbourne, I probably still wouldn't be playing. You know that. The mentality, the you know, the things that they've instilled in into me as a person, um, you know, the drive, the dedication, the professionalism. You know, you have your ups and down moments. It's a bit of a roller coaster, as everyone says. But you know, I, when I do get lost, um, I always go back to my days there, and you know, what Craig and um, everyone, you know, Madge was there as well, and uh, Dean Lance was a big, big part of, you know, developing my football. Um, you know, I, that's that's what I do take away from that those those sorts of days. Yeah. And in them early stages, was there any players that you looked up to or you was trying to mould your career on or was you just trying to just make your own way in the game? Um no, well I said it before, Steve Renoff and, and Ruben Wiki, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I watched them and loved the way they played. Um they were my two favourite players. Um but you know when when I went when I went to Melbourne I had some uh you know some fantastic players that were there as well. Um, you know Matt Guyer, he he was a massive influence on me. You know he he, you know pretty much he's done everything in the game. Represented his uh, you know state, played grand finals, won grand finals, captain the club. You know he's a great family man. So he, he helped me out a lot as as a as a young buck coming through. You know I was hot headed and thought I was. You know all that. You know he grounded me, which was great. And um, also David Kidwell, uh, I owe a lot to him. You know he he was like a big brother to me when I when definitely when I was coming through. You know showed me what respect was all about. You know how to earn your stripes, all those sorts of things. That, you know that I think that's out of the, it's been you know drummed out of the game uh, with all the young boys now. Uh, but you know I, I appreciate everything um, that I learned at Melbourne from those boys for sure. Yeah, in two thousand and five, was going really well for the for the Storm. You um, you played for New Zealand in the Tri Nations. You met, you played eight times for New Zealand in total. Uh, Tri Nations series was a little bit different. One it was played in over in Australia and New Zealand as well as Great Britain. I mean, that must have been a fantastic experience for you, not only to pull on um, you know the All Blacks jersey, but to to experience going across to to Britain to play rugby league and also not only to to play but also defeat. Australia, I think they, it was their first time in 27 years that they'd, they'd suffered um, a defeat in a, in a test or competitive competition. So, you know, it must have been a really, really good experience for you. Yeah, you know, I, I we'd finished our season um, and I remember getting the phone call. I think I'd just been out on a, a big a big night with my brother um, in Melbourne and I, I had a phone call at, I can't remember what time, some silly cop. Uh, it was David Kidwell ringing me, and I said, oh, "What does he want?" Um, and uh, he said, "Oh, can you get to Sydney?" And I said, "Oh, well, what for?" Because I was in the New Zealand A side, um, so I knew I had to be there, but I didn't have to be there till the Friday or, or the Thursday. 
<laughs> so we, we partners just come past. She tried to sneak past. Um, so uh, you know, I was just celebrating the season um, with with just some friends and that, and some family. Um, and he said, "No, I need you here today." So I said, "All right then." So he didn't tell me what for. So I've got down there, and they've held training off. I've started training, and they didn't. I didn't really get much. You know, I just knew I had to be there. Um, you know, and then the Wednesday came, still training. Thursday came, he said, "I'll oh, just be ready to play." And then uh, the the pre-game uh, training session, and said, "No, you, you you're named in the squad." And I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, like. Just didn't know what to say. The first person I wanted to call was Dad, but I didn't know how to tell him, you know, because I knew he'd be so proud. But I, I don't know. I was just buzzing, you know. I still, I still remember him telling me uh, when when Bluey told me. So once I told him, I was speaking to Dad, and Dad was in tears. Um, just couldn't wait. He, I think he was on the next plane straight to Sydney from Brisbane. Um, you know, all my family come. It was, you know, one of the proudest moments. Um, you know, because to represent my father's nation. Um, you know, he, he's been the, pretty much the reason why him and, and my stepmom definitely, uh, the reason why I got to where I was. Yeah. And also it's such a historic win for New Zealand as well, wasn't it? Um, yeah. You know, so it's not, you know, you've got the personal side of you making, you know, you playing, yeah. you know, earning your caps, etc. but also, you know, you're not only you know, looking at it from your point of view, as a, as a nation to be able to beat Australia and, and deliver that silverware for the first time. Yeah. A lot to, to you, your father, and but also the people in New Zealand as well. Yeah, it was, a, you know, it was a big, I think the whole tournament was, you know, a bit of a big occasion for the whole, uh, as you said, the whole nation, the whole rugby league community. Um, we beat Australia in Australia. Uh, the first game, I think it was 38-28, which I don't think had been done for I don't know how long. Um, and then, you know, we in New Zealand, I think we lost by two points, which was, you know, you, just proving that it wasn't a fluke the first time. But then to go over, uh, come over to England, um, you know, that was uh, an experience that I didn't think I'd ever, um, ever have so early on in my career for sure. Um, but then, you know, to get to the final, 24-0, um, it just shows that, New Zealand was starting to, you know, we're getting put on the map. And and ever since then, uh, I think New Zealand have definitely not not been the laughing stock of, of international footy. So, it's, yeah. you know, it, it was great to be a start, you know, be a part of something that um, as special and as historical as that. Yeah, and we've got, a, we've got a World Cup at the end of this year. Obviously, it should have took place last year, but, but uh, because of COVID, it didn't. And over the last few years, we've sort of seen the demise of international rugby league, haven't we? I just wonder yeah. for you back then, how how highly regarded did you did you hold international rugby league, and how much did it mean to you to pull pull on the the All Blacks jersey? Um, yeah, it was you know uh, I didn't expect it happened so soon. Um, you know, when when you sign your NRL contract, you have to pledge your allegiance to Australia or. New Zealand, and I just left that blank because I, you know, I'm, I'm a young buck starting out. I've, I've played less than, I think, 10, 15 games, and that was the last thing on my mind. You know, I just wanted to make cement a spot in, um, in, in first grade first. And then that, you know, 2005, I don't, you know, I, by the misfortune of someone else, um, I, I got put in and, and the spot was mine. I just had to keep it. 
Um, and then the state of origin sort of come around. And uh, Craig Bellamy said, look, you still haven't pledged your allegiance. And I'm sitting there going, what's that for? <laughs> and he's uh, said, oh, look, you know, state of origin is coming around. You, you know, you could be in the mix for that. And I said, well, I can't, can I? Because I'm going to pledge for New Zealand. And he goes, why is that? And I said, well, because I was brought up with my father. Um, you know, he's a Maori. Uh, come over to from New Zealand, I think, age 16, 17, maybe a bit earlier. But, um, you know, he's, he's in all blacks through and through. So I've always wanted to represent uh, the New Zealand, New Zealand, uh, New Zealand Kiwis for sure. So he said, "Oh look, right now you need to pledge your allegiance." So I've done so, and then um, when when that came around, you know, I've never, you know, I had to pitch myself over and over and over and over to, you know, in the sheds, putting the shirt on, looking at it, going, "What the, you know, how's this come? How's this come about?" It's just, you know, I, I was speechless, you know, and to be around you know to play with my idol you know Ruben Wiki to be in the same dressing room as someone as you know as good as Stacey Jones you know Nigel Vungana you know you can rattle the names off and they're like household names you know and to be on the same field as that it's just you know surreal especially for a young buck like me yeah and not only did you win the tournament you finished joint top try scorer as well it was five tries yeah should have been six they took one away from me but he didn't even go to the. Oh, I don't think it could have gone to Europe back then. But yeah, it definitely wasn't forward. But yeah, it should have been should have been leading it. But no, it was yeah. That was you know, wasn't high on me uh, on me things. But you know, wingers made to score tries. So as long as I was scoring, and you know, to be up there was you know quite an honour as well. Yeah, and then 2007 joined the uh, Gold Coast Titans in. I think was it their start out season? Uh, yeah, inaugural season. They the um just been promoted to or not promoted just been brought back you know they gold coast have been in and out of the comp a few times the seagulls and now you know the gold coast titans were coming in and I, I saw it as an opportunity to move closer to my family uh who lived in brisbane um you know brought up with dad and my stepmom uh had a younger brother and sister i've been away for many you know for for a long long period of time so um, when when they come and uh, I was off contract, uh, they came calling and I was like, yeah, I was more than happy to, to give that a go for sure. I was looking forward to the challenge. Yeah, and in that season, you made 18 appearances, scored four tries. Tell us about how the departure from Gold Coast Titans came about and then how the move to, to Hulkington Road was surfaced. Oh, I don't think we've got enough time to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was... Um, you know, I... I it was my own doing. Uh, I sort of got caught up in the glitz and glamour of the Gold Coast, the neon lights, you know, the the sun, the surf, you know, the drink, the parties, the, you know, everything that comes with what Gold Coast is. I was like, wow, this is me, you know, and instead of concentrating on what I was there for, I was concentrating on everything else but what I was there for. You know, so I was, you know, I didn't have a great relationship with the coach. Um, no, you know, no fault of his, it was mine. Um, so I, you know, everything I'd done previously, you know, leading up to me going to the Gold Coast, I'd pretty much ruined. Uh, I knew that, um, you know, and I thought that, you know, I had three years there, but I knew that it wasn't going to last. Um, so, 
at the time, um, I don't even know whenabouts it was, but it was mid 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 to maybe just after mid of the year. Um, my agents come up to me and said, "Look, uh, English Super League. Oh, what do you think of um, England when you were over there in 2005?" I said, "Yeah, I loved it." I said, "I, I do plan on going over there at some point." And he said, "Well, what about next year?" And you know, we sat down at an in-depth discussion about why and all that, and I understood. And I thought this could be a good um, place for me not to run away, but to go away, focus on what I needed to focus on. You know, I had no, I was doing it alone. Um, just to, you know, pretty much give myself a wake up call, you know. Um, so, how uh, KR, uh, Justin Morgan, um, spoke to him on the phone, and I, you know, I, I, I saw what, he had planned and I, I'd seen what he, who, who he'd signed and all that sort of stuff. And that they definitely had, you know, had ambition to, to, to be better than what they had been. So I thought this would be a good chance for me to go over there and uh, come over here and, um, you know, find myself again, start enjoying my rugby uh, and also see the world. So yeah, at the end of 2007, we parted ways. It was, you know, it wasn't, wasn't bad wasn't in a bad way you know i still i seen surly i think two years ago and you know we're still on good terms um but yeah then yeah 2007 december i landed in england bit of a culture change yeah well i rocked up in a pair of shorts and a very thin jumper with flip-flops on <laughs> and uh who picked me up barney picked me up in a van that was Windows was half shut, half not, because you couldn't wind it up. Um, no heater or anything. And I'm sitting there, what have I done? So, you know, driving up in a hole, I've, where'd, we get, where'd we get to? We got to the Humber Bridge, and I've gone, wow, look at this place. You know, and I thought this is this is definitely a bit of a culture shock and, you know, going to make me grow up and concentrate on what I needed to do. So, you know, it took me... It took me a, lot, a little bit to really, really get into it. You know, I, I missed home. You know, you know, I doubted everything for probably months. You know, probably six, seven months. Um, but the thing that did get me across the line was the people. You know, the the fans, not just the fans, the people of England. You know, I I knew no one, but it felt like I'd known half of them for five, ten years. You know, after having one conversation. So it was, you know, that was the biggest thing that kept me here was the people and, and, and the fans for sure. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Bones as well because we put on a we put out on social media last night, you know, he's a bit of an unsung hero of the club, you know, he's been around for a number of years. Yeah. And you've just said about how important, you know, not just people you play with, but people behind the scenes, the people yeah. in the city, etc. How how important they are. Um when a new player stands for a club and obviously you're making that huge huge move coming from the you know the other side of the world um what kind of things are they put in place to help you settle in or or i suppose as it it's maybe changed incredibly from then to now but what what was put in place to help you settle in um well bonesy was was there picked me up dropped me off at the village hotel where i met uh andrew webster um and Sarah, who was the team manager at the time, um, where they they had a house for me, a car for me, um, but yeah, that 
that was pretty much it <laughs> back then. You know, um, I think there was food in the house and the heating was on, which I was very appreciative of. You know, but that that's that that was pretty much it. Um, you know, oh, that's that's all that's all I really needed. You know, I wasn't too fast. Um, I was here to play football, play rugby league. You know, the rest of it I'll, I'll figure out on the way. But um, you know, I got I got a few numbers of a few of the boys. Ben Fisher, who was you know, he was great on my first probably month of being here. Um, Reese Lovegrove, who was he was great as well. You know, fellow Australians who you know come over and done it so so that so they were there definitely to help give a helping hand and um you know they, they were great friends yeah and, and uh, i was gonna say how how uh how much did that help because obviously there was a healthy contingent of sort of aussies and new zealanders at the club weren't they obviously justin morgan but then you had yeah. daniel Fitzhenry, mick vela clint newton ben Gullier, yeah. you know and also ben Gullier, clint newton mick vela you know sort of senior pros as well aren't they how easy did they make it for you to, to feel at home? Yeah, well, Mick Vella, uh, he was, you know, he was a, a club captain, you know, so he took everyone under the wing. He, he was a bit of a jokester. He, if you didn't know how to take him, you, you'd probably hate him. But as soon as he got, you know, he got in on his circle, he was in front of everyone. He wants to laugh, but when you needed, you know, you needed a shoulder or an ear, he, he was always there and he was um, very, very helpful to guide, not just me, but everyone who come over or anyone, you know, even the English um, who, who were struggling with things, he was always there to, um, to lend a helping hand or his guidance or advice. So, you know, players like that, you know, you can't, you can't replace, you know, you, you need them around um, just to keep people level-headed, to give the guidance, you know, that, the experience that they've had in the game uh, and everything that they've done in life, you know, you, it's, it's second to none, really. So it's that, that's probably why the old people, us old fellas, are still still valuable in the game. Yeah, and he was coming to a club that had obviously secured its its um, Super League safety the season before, and then you made your debut against the Leeds Rhinos, um, twenty points to twelve defeat, but you scored two tries at the start of that season. What was the expectations that uh, Justin had put on you as a as a playing group and and what was your expectations for yourself individually? Um, that's how many years? Too many head knocks. I can't remember. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, we they cemented their spot up. You know, we we yeah. we'd done a um, great off-season recruitment charge, uh, so we we had a decent a decent enough chance to, to push for at least the finals. You know, you're coming up against teams that have been at the finals for years you know Leeds you've got your St Helens your Wiggins you know they're seasoned at this sort of stuff um the biggest challenge was you know getting us prepared for what was to come you know the weather the fields um the the, the the change of you know how firm the ground was to how cold it would get to just the physicality you know it, it wasn't as free-flowing at the start of the year the next minute it's you know, it's like you're running around on 4G just because of how firm the ground is. So um, it was really just to, for us to adapt as quick as we could, um, put our best foot forward. But personally, I just had to find myself again. I had to discover that rugby league was what I wanted, you know. If it wasn't, then I needed to walk away. But I knew I wasn't ready. Um, so it was 
you know, I, I just needed to enjoy rugby league again. And and whole KR, the fans, the club, the the playing squad, everyone that was involved in and all that definitely made me fall back in love with the game. Yeah, and and for, I think for the supporters and and then maybe for the players as well, there was two games that particularly stood out. There was the um, round seven game against Hull FC when we beat them 11-10 at home. I, think oh, the weather... I remember that. That was horrendous weather. Yeah. It was where yeah. ice was hitting us in the face. We had to, when they kicked off, we had our backs faced. I remember that. Yeah. And, and, and I, think, I mean, James Webster to get that drop goal at the end. Goal, which went over by about that much. It was yeah. an ugliest looking drop goal, but the most satisfying one. Yeah, and then the the other game was the um, I think at the end of the season, uh, the last game of the season when we beat them thirty six points to eight. Um, you know that was one that was, that lives long in the memory of Wilkinson Road supporters. What was your knowledge of the derby before you got you came over to to the UK, and and what was your your experiences of playing in the derby while you was here? <coughs> um, my knowledge wasn't that high until I started speaking to someone. Um, to, I can't remember who it was, but they sent me a link, and all it was was a photo of the whole Daily Mail, and there was a there was a woman with a <laughs> broken arm and a flip flop in her hand, and then someone else coming to kick, yeah, someone on the ground, and I've gone, oh my, what is, <laughs> you know, this is the end of the game, and I've gone, oh my god, this is ridiculous. I said, this is all an out war, and um. You know, I said, nah, surely not. This is just a one-off. But then when I got here and ex experienced it, you know, the two sides, you know, I lived in 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 Hesel uh, for the start and then I moved to Bruff. But, yeah, that I was, I was on the wrong side. <laughs> everyone kept telling me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, everyone, during the year, everyone's fine. But lead, the, the, the week or two leading up, the people who spoke to you on that side of the uh, where I live didn't speak to me. You know, that's how much it means to them, you know. But as soon as the game's over and done with, they'll probably hate you for a week if you win. If not, their first one's knocking on your door to give you a bit of stick. But um, the experience I've had, I've experienced nothing like it. You know, I've played in Australia. I've played in front of 40, 50, 60, 70,000 people. But playing in front of Hull versus Hull KR, mate, there's no, I, I, mate, without a doubt, there is nothing that I've experienced that is as crazy as loud as you know intimidating but also inspiring as that so that's everyone says the derby's happen all over the place but I, I can't see a derby that's as big as that no i agree and, and i think it's that that intensity where players sometimes either thrive or the or the will under it don't they because it, it is such a unique game and yeah um you know it's almost like every game we play is a cup final. And, and I wonder, I don't know if that always helps because the build-up, the anticipation around it is more than any other Super League fixture, you know, that we play. And, and, and yeah. sometimes the fact it's built up just, you know, as, I think sometimes it has a detrimental effect on, on the players and, and and sometimes the result as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see that for sure. You know, I've seen people play the game over in their head 10 times and it's Wednesday, you know, the game's not mm. till Saturday or Sunday, you know, and by the time the game comes, they're fatigued, mentally fatigued. And, you know, that is that is something that, you know, as a professional, you need to be able to deal with your emotions. Uh, but as you said, it's hard, you know, especially the weeks coming up to it, you go shopping at Asda 
Um, there's black and white shirts around. There's red and white shirts around. Everyone's looking at you funny. Everyone's going, you better win. I said, oh, you've got no chance, you know, coming from both ends. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to be able to switch off. You've got to be able to just focus on your job, what needs to be done. But it is quite hard. You've got, you know, you've got half a, half a city sh sitting on your shoulders. You know, and you don't want to let them down. You don't. You want to give them bragging rights going into work on Monday. You know, and no. it's just it, it is. It's for some people the pressure is is ridiculous, but for some they thrive on it, as you said. Yeah, so. in 2008 finished seventh in Super League, but 2009 is where I think the team really came into its own, didn't it? We finished secured a fourth place finish in the league, uh, semi final uh, game in the in the playoffs, and also a quarter final appearance in the Challenge Cup. I mean, that must have been a pretty special season for you um, personally, um, because as, as supporters and for a club, it was it been we've been waiting for for so long for some some kind of success, and and I think that's where as a club we really started to make our mark in Super League, um, and obviously you had a, a huge role in doing so, playing at, at centre. Did you feel comfortable now being back at centre? Was that your 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 natural role and and you, you said you didn't like being out on the wing but obviously the type of game that you played sort of strong powerful running game you know you, you must have been thriving on playing in in these big games and being able to play at center yeah yeah i definitely you know i've always want uh you know i've always been a center um trained for it my whole life studied it pretty much every 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 time i Put a shirt on. I wanted to play in the centre, so to come over here and 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 it be my spot, uh, mine to lose, was you know it was great. Um, I enjoyed it, especially playing you know with some great ball distributors. You know, you had Cookie, who could throw a ball from one side of the field to the other and hit you on the chest. You know when Dobbo was here, Dobbo could manipulate a, a defensive line just with his. Uh, can you say it with his hairline? <laughs> 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 one or the other. No, only joking, Dobbo. Um, you know, just with you know, just with how good he was. Um, so just happy to get some clean ball. You had Bengalia, who in the back row, who was a ball player. You had Clint Newton, who was just presence was, you know, bigger than anything, you know, on the field and off the field. So we had we had a great great bunch of guys to play I, I had a great bunch of guys to play off so I, I really enjoyed my time um enjoyed learning from them um you know if you're not learning uh every day then you shouldn't be playing you know every day is a school day as, as anyone always says so it was you know it was a great experience playing with some, some great players you know and, and Morgs was you know such a young coach um you know he was still with the times he wasn't setting his ways yet there was always room for development in his behalf and you know, he encouraged all that sort of stuff. So that's that was um, that was why I think I stayed at KR for so long. Yeah, and and I mean, twelve tries in that season, quite a healthy return from a centre as well. I wonder what's your feelings as well on the the wingers getting all the glory for for scoring the tries when often it's the centres who actually put them in them positions and <laughs> make it happen for them. Well. Keep going down the line. There, you got your, your fullback will give you the position to put the winger in. You know, now it's it. You know, I'm more than happy to let them take all the glory. It's it's what they're you know they're there they're paid to finish. Well, they were back then. I think they're paid more to be an extra forward now, <laughs> as, well as, as well as finish and catch these high balls. But um, but no, that's that's fine. Hang on, two seconds. Oh, my little fellas just woke up. I'm just going to grab him. Yes, yeah, right. 
I've got I've got two little ones myself, so I know how hard it is to do things like this and, and yeah. just seem to a bit of time to uh, away from them. So yeah. but what's his name? This is Luca. Luca. Yeah, he's only he just turned one in February. Wow. He's, a, he's a monster. I think he's definitely gonna be a I don't know what a wrestler, I think, or the rock. Yeah. But yeah. But no, so um where were we? Yeah, so we're just saying about um, about the wingers getting all the glory on the back of oh, you. Oh yeah, no, nah, they're, they're more than happy. Let them have it. I don't mind. You know, that's uh, they get the four points. So it's four points for the team. So that's the main thing. Yeah, and then I mean, in that season we suffered heartbreak in the quarterfinals uh, of the Challenge Cup when we played Warrington at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they picked us by one point. Oh yeah, um, we should never have lost that game either. Should never have lost that game. We were we were miles in front, I believe. And then, yeah, that's that that was heartbreaking that game. But some of the rugby league was playing that season was was phenomenal, and the supporters it was, you know, such a joy to watch. Um, and if you look at our our sort of run to the end of the season, you know, starting off beating Hull FC twenty four points to eighteen, we then win the next four games on the back of that. Um, and then the last game of the season, we lose to Wakefield before losing to Leeds in the qualifying playoff. And then we lose to Wigan in the semi-final. Um, as players, how did you feel that about that end of the season? And, and do you think you could have done more to, to get us? Or do you think you'd sort of, you'd almost put that much energy into into that running, that, that, that Wigan game was probably just one too far for you? Yeah, maybe, but yeah, we were disappointed. I remember that year very well. You know, we were so much promise, but we just come up short. Um, could have been what you're saying. Could have been just not the experience in such big games. Um, you know, people not knowing how to handle tough because when you get to the finals, it's knockout. It's tough, 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 and sometimes that does get a bit, a bit too much. So. It could be could be a few things. Yeah, it could be a few few things that are um, that 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 add up to it all. So, but it's just it's just one of those things that you got to learn from. Um, you got to you know grow and 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 try not to make the same mistakes again. Yeah, and I think that's that's really important, isn't it? That you need to have players who have been there and done that. But obviously yeah. sometimes the only way you can get them plays is, is by them actually winning and, and doing it, isn't it? And yeah. I think um, we saw that with Rovers last season who, who were finishing the when we were finishing the playoffs. Obviously we did so well to beat Warrington and then we went to Catalan and although we had a depleted squad, I think just that, that big game know how that yeah that you know how how to do the little things right, how maybe how to alleviate some of the pressure. And yeah, if you haven't got them players around you, it's sometimes difficult because I think you're a bit like lambs to the slaughter in a way, you're like rabbits in headlights. If you if you've not yeah. prepared and you're not ready for it, no, that's that's exactly right. You know, it's it is all those little things. It's those 50 50 passes in big games like that, especially when you know when it comes to finals over here, you're going back to this to the wet weather sort of footy, isn't it? It's not the same free free flowing. Um, you've got to change your game a little bit again. So it's, you know, it is a lot of different things that come into it around there. It's, you know, changing what you need to change, but also not losing your identity. Um, doing what, you know, all the hard work that you did all year, 
is is for a reason um you know and sometimes when you come up short it feels like that you've you know you let yourself down and sometimes you've got to learn that to to be able to take that next step you know because sometimes if you go straight to glory 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 when you know it's hard when you do lose you'll never get back but you go the other way look at penrith panthers last was it last year you know they you know melbourne and then now they're on top of the world so sometimes that thing that they say you got to lose one to win one um definitely comes in uh comes on the cards for sure yeah 2008 2009 i mean tremendous record played 53 games scored 22 tries 2010 though uh injured against catalans at the beginning of june and then you missed the rest of the season i mean we've yeah. already spoke briefly about injuries and stuff and when you look back at your time at rovers i suppose you probably share same frustration as we do that when you're not out on the field you know because of injury yeah, but especially when you've had such a good run, and people can see the impact that you have on the team. That you know, when when you're not playing, it's such a big miss. But how does it affect you personally when you when you can see your teammates out there and you're, you're not able to contribute to the to the performances? Yeah, it's it, it it is quite tough. You know, it's I don't know. It, it is it's a roller coaster of emotions. Um, you know, you want to be out there helping your team um so you do everything you can off the field but with no reward you know you're busting your butt but you still know that that you know that end date is still months and months away so it is it's a roller coaster of emotions up down people don't see it all you know like you'll be in there doing everything you can you come home you can't do a thing because you've got to go do it the next day again um you know you give up your social life because you know, you just don't want to be seen out and about just because you know that, you you know, you don't know, but you feel like you're letting everyone down, but you can't do anything about it, you know. But then some days you're fantastic, you know, you, you feel better, your body feels good, um, and you feel like you can contribute, but you're still only one or two steps closer to where you need to be. So it, 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 is, it is quite tough. You know, that's the part that no one sees. You know, that's the part that, you know, the, the fans, the supporters – um you know don't understand you know injuries happen they're part of the game but they're not enjoyable for anyone you know you, you don't enjoy sitting on the sideline you don't enjoy watching your teammates go out there and and do what you know that you can do with them so it, it, it is it is a very very tough time for any player that gets injured yeah and then 2011 you make your you return and you have another good run of games, 25 games that season, and it's another playoff appearance for, for Rovers, but ultimately we fall short with Rovers suffering a, a heavy defeat at the end of the season, 56 points to six against the Catalan Dragons. And um, during that season, though, there were some really standout performances, you know, the 70 points to 14 victory over Wakefield. Um, yeah. You know, you look at the Challenge Cup, although we suffered another big defeat, Um 54 points to six against St. Helens. And and what I think of the feature of that season is that, you know, we, we was able to score plenty of points, but we also shipped a lot. And, and yeah. just had to say, I don't know, maybe bad habits or stuff start to creep into the players. And, and you know, you started to get a feeling that maybe Justin Morgan, maybe his, his time was coming up a little bit, whether the players were responding to him. Talk to us about that season and, and talk to us about, you know, what where you thought the where it was going um, well, not necessarily wrong because we're still finishing the playoffs, weren't we? But just things, little things, just didn't seem to be paying off for us that season. Yeah, well, 
What year was that? 2011. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what's that? Five years. Yeah. Since more, how long was more there? Five years. That was his fifth yeah. year, was it? Yeah. Well, they say that five years is usually time you've either got to have a big clean out of players or clean out at the top, you know, because it does, it starts to get stale. Um, so that could be why. Um, but also, I think it was, we started to bring a few young people through too, didn't we? Yeah. Um, you know, and the experience boys newt newts was still there i think we just signed blake green too didn't we yeah blake green was there yeah you know so there was a little bit of a turnover of players coming through um we i remember that year we we had two great halves so i think uh, we concentrated a lot on attackers as you saw yeah. you know with, with the scores that you know we, we had no trouble scoring points um but you know i, I don't think morgs can take the blame for it i think it's it was an attitude thing with the players obviously um because defence is an attitude, you know, it's an attitude thing. It's, a, a, it's something that if you don't want to do it, doesn't matter how much you train for it, you just don't do it. So, you know, it's a bit, you know, I don't know, you, you could pinpoint a few different things, but, you know, but that year just might have been, a, you know, a bit of a, a, a changing of the guard sort of thing. Um, needed a change up of players, um, needed a turnover of a coach, could be multiple different things. So I, I can't really put a my finger on what it would have been yeah well justin morgan obviously was, was shown the door and then craig sandercock was the was the next man in uh, yeah. did, did you see an instant change in in styles and approach to to coaching and and the atmosphere around the club and and things that craig was trying to instill that maybe justin wasn't mm, yes and no he, he came over and he wanted to be a lot more professional which you could feel straight away um, had meetings with everyone. Not saying Morgs didn't, but you could just, you know, you could just feel it in the way he was approaching things. Um, maybe that was because I was just used to Morgs. I was, you know, all friends by the end of it. You know, mates, you, you go have, have coffee. Do you think him. that was that was maybe part of Justin's not downfall, but maybe a bit of a problem is that he was so friendly with a lot of the players. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Maybe. It could have annoyed some players that he wasn't so close to, but you know, we we, we as a playing group, we, we respected him. You know, he'd done a lot for the club, um, but maybe his his knowledge had, had reached its his capacity. Maybe he needed to go underneath someone else, though. He could take that next level. Mm. You know, take his game to that next level, his coaching game. So you know, and then that's what he's done. He's gone. He, he's gone to Australia. He's been under some great coaches. So you know, he, he might you never know, he might be back one day. Yeah, back at back at Rovers coaching and take it to the next level. But you know, and Sandy, you know, like he was he was different again. You know, he's he come over, he had totally different philosophies. So it was pretty much starting from scratch for for everyone. You know, he's he he's brought a few players with him. Um, he's had some great ideas. Just whether it was what was right for the club or not was you know it was a different thing you know the the people that were going to buy into it bought into it straight away but the ones that didn't never were and never did you know they left quite quickly so it was you know it was it was quite a different time for the club i think i don't know if it was a if it was a backward step or they were just i don't really know you know because yeah. I, I left a year after so I wasn't around for, for 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 long enough to see what 
um, what was happening behind the scenes. But from what I heard, you know, it was a bit up and down on, you know, the player side and the coaching staff. But it is, you know, every, every day is a learning uh, uh, school day. So hopefully the club's learnt and the, the, the players learnt what they needed to off Sandy and, and, the, and then they moved on, didn't they? Yeah, I think one of the things that Scott Morell mentioned when we had him on the Heritage Cast was that he he struggled with some of the some of the English lads and 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 yeah. um, he couldn't quite get you know you know get on with them kind of thing where and then he sort of isolated them a bit and James yeah. Green he said the same thing he, he, he you know they just struggled to develop a relationship with him. Yeah, well, well yeah. I was going to say that, but I didn't know if I could or not. But if they've already said it, yeah, I, I saw that definitely. You know, I, he had his favourites. You know, well, and, don't worry, Scott Scott Morell couldn't shut up. Oh yeah, well yeah, <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know where I can go with this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go. I'll open up a can of worms here. No, um, no, he had his favourites. You know, Con Mika, absolutely loved him. Brought him over. Had him at Newcastle. Um, you know, love love the Aussie boys. Love Mickey Payer. Loved. Um, mm linking with his and all that you know just you just knew he who his favorites were and i think that really put some uh you know some definitely sour faces on on the english boys which is definitely not what you want to do you don't want to do stuff like that you know you, you've come over here you, you know you've got to get everyone on side with you so he's um i think that was probably his biggest downfall um he, he just was too unapproachable um for everyone you know and just i don't know the way you handle things you know like he, he he'd whisper i don't know did they tell you about his whispering yeah yeah yeah, he's, yeah and, and they said also about um you know he'd, he'd tell you something one week and then next week he'd be completely opposite and yeah, people just yeah. couldn't get the red round well you know you're telling me this then that and and yeah know, it, just, it just it was a bit of a strange relationship and it also <laughs> was his, his um his office at the end of the corridor so if he was ever walking past you know, some players didn't want to walk past in case he called them into the office. And he'd start talking. He'd ask you how you are. How are you? How's the family? And he goes, oh, anyway, but um, moving on to this, and before you even finish your question, uh, like answering his question, he goes, yeah, but you missed a tackle the other week. Like something like that, you know, and that just, it, you can't you can't show people that you're interested and not be interested. You lose them straight away. You know, but I think that was a big learning curve for Sandy, you know, and, and for the club. Um, you know, and I, I think ever since then, they, they, they've you know they've gone up, they've gone up, and 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 in the aspect of of the playing group, anyway, you know they've got people in the right positions that that, that respects the players. So yeah, yeah, and I think it's um, you know I think sometimes as well when you when you're following someone who's had such a long time at the club and someone who's enjoyed you know relative success that. Whoever the next man in is always gonna is gonna st struggle, maybe. You know, yeah, you, you've got to win over everyone. You know, it's not just the people you bring in. You know, you, you, it's probably harder. It's harder for you, definitely. You know, to earn the trust, to change everything. You know, and and better way probably would have come in and buy in with the senior players, saying what's what's been happening here. Let's work with that sort of system. You know, I think Leeds have got it. That when they were a force to be reckoned with, they had it locked down, you know, it doesn't matter who they brought in. You had your Sinfields, your Peacocks, your Maguires, your, you know, Rob Burrows. They they ran the team, you know. 
well, they didn't, but they did. You know, everyone knows they did. You know, coaching staff come in just to to guide that and to oversee it all. So you know that, and that, they were successful for. I don't know. I've lost count how many time, how many years they were successful for. So you know, so they had the right the right chemistry with all that. So you know, I think I think Rovers are starting to get that now, for sure. You know, I see they're they're they're, they're my dark horses this year. I really I'm really looking forward to watching them play. Yeah, I hope so because at the moment they haven't been doing that great. <laughs> no, 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 but they, they started start off a bit shaky once the ground hits. You know, ground firms up a bit. We've got some yeah. really exciting players. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. And then your time at Rovers, I mean, obviously when you signed, you you, you only signed a, a three-year contract at first. You end up saying another two years on top of that. Your final yeah. season, though, you was restricted to 13 appearances. Did you expect to be at Rovers for so long? And, and, and did you expect to be playing rugby league in this country for so long? No. I come for two years. I had it in my head. I'm here for two years. I'm going to love, fall in love with the game. Uh Dad said, just go for one and get back. I said, no, no, I'm not doing that. I said, I'll go for one. I'll fall in love and then, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm going to go and experience the whole thing. You're not the whole thing. The whole, yeah, everything England's got to offer, yeah. everything Super League's got to offer. Um, I think a year, not even a year into it, maybe seven or eight months into it, uh, I had a phone call to see if I wanted to go back home. And I didn't say yes, I didn't say no. But I went home and thought about it and I, I didn't even talk to anyone. I didn't ex say it to anyone else. So I sat there and thought about it for about probably three or four days. And then I went and spoke to Morgs and just said to him, this is what's happened. And he said, well, what are you doing? And I said, you're not going to try and talk me into anything? He goes, no, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I don't want to go. And then he asked me why and I explained why. And he goes, well, there you go. And then that was it really. I Two years turned into up till now you know and that was the people that was the country that was how close everything was you know i could see the world i could it was great to live it was easy to live it was enjoyable it was you know all of the above and you know i, I stayed for my third which i was never intending on doing but it was just good to have the security and then after, halfway through that i said no, i want to keep staying um and I suppose never been, never even thought about going home since. Yeah. And how, how did your departure from Rovers come about uh, before you joined Castleford Tigers? Um, that was that five-year thing, I think. I was stale. Right. You know, I, I think I, I needed a bit of, you know, I needed a challenge. I needed uh, a freshen up. You know, that was no, you know, Sandy said he'd still be happy to keep me. The club was still going to offer me a contract. But I just knew I needed, you know, I just needed something different. Um, so I put the feelers out there and, and yeah, Cass, Cass um, were, you know, they were close. They, you know, they weren't successful. But was, I knew some people there. I, they said it was enjoyable. It was fun. Um, and I still wanted to have fun playing footy. And I just knew I needed something different. So that was, um, yeah, that was my next... That was my next step for sure. Yeah, obviously it was vindicated in your decision, weren't you, by Challenge Cup final, Super League Grand Final, um, League Leaders Shield, you know, great success for you then. Obviously, you must look back fondly at your time at Castleford. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I think I played some of my best footy there. You know, I, I, I had 
some of my great, you know, I've got some of my greatest memories playing for Cass. Um, you know, I had my firstborn son while playing for Cass, as you said, Challenge Cup, played at Wembley, played at Old Trafford, um, played um, in, you know, League Leaders Shield winning team. You know, that's just something that I always take with me. You know, I, at the time, everyone thought it was a big mistake. But, you know, I, I could see what the vision was there. I could, you know, the players that they were signing. Um, when Daryl Powell came, it was, that was just a whole new ball game then again. You know, so at the end of the day, that was a, that was the right decision. That was, you know, the, something I'm really, you know, really happy that I did. And, um, you know, it's definitely going to be, uh, uh, you know, important memories in my in my career for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then you left, left there to join the Bradford Bulls. And then, of course, signed for Keefley, where he links up with your old friend, Reese Lovegrove. How good was it to be to be linking up with him again? Yeah, it was quite weird. You know, like, it was because, I don't know, he was one of the weirdest humans. He's still weird now. He knows that. <laughs> but he was quite, you know, one of the weirdest humans that I've ever met when I first came over here. He used to sit in there and, you know, he'd, what are those little figurines that you'd paint and then roll a dice and do all that and... Then he'd go out and win every fitness thing and then flog you at everything. And then the next day, just can't be bothered. You know, and I just never met anyone like that before. Um, you know, just so up and down. But, you know, when he when he called me, I'm sitting there going, oh, here we go. I didn't answer. I seen him ring. I said, I'm not answering this. I didn't know he was coach. I didn't know anything, what he was doing. I knew he was a, a trainer. So I said, oh, what, there's something, he's wrong number dialed here. So... Um, I've texted him back because I was at training at the time at Bradford and he just said, oh, look, give me a call when you can. So I texted my mate just to train and I'll buzz you tonight. And then he's told me what's what he's doing and I've got, oh, here we go, what's going on here? So I've met up with him and it was an interesting conversation to say the least because I've never seen it. I never thought he'd be a coach ever. You know, I don't think, I think everyone that Rovers thought we'd see him on that, what's that, to find in your murderer. <laughs> yeah, you ask any of them you get scott back on we thought he would be on that saying he's killed someone that's how <laughs> he was but um but now nah, he he put the call out and um i met with the owners and i'm at a different time you know when i signed there i was a different time in my career i can't do what i used to be able to do but i can you know the experience the guidance the help of these young players that they're bringing through um you know i i, I wanted to do different things in then just play footy. I don't want to just play anymore. I want to do some coaching. I want to do stuff behind the scenes. You know, I'm doing player welfare stuff uh, at the moment. I'm just finishing off the last few things I need. So when I do hang the boots up, I've got some fallbacks onto, but I still want to be in the game. So I, all those things were not promised, but weren't said that if I wanted it, that helped me get. Um, and so I saw that as the best career move for me at the time. Um, and it's still, and at this present time, it still is. You know, uh, I'm still playing. I'm doing all the things behind the scenes that are, that are going to help me for after footy. And I'm, um, you know, with a with an old mate who didn't leave me stranded in Princess Key at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's that's the first thing he, he guided me to his house the first weekend I was there. Um, Took me out, lost me in the middle of Hull. I'd never been out before, had no phone, no anything, and was driving around in a taxi. And I was at the bus station in the bus place, and he was at two o'clock in the morning. So that's a, that was my first memory of him. 
and you know I'm, I'm still with him today so I'm, 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 I'm happy I'm happy yeah. to be and that must have been that, that, that must have been a culture shock for you what go to Keithley no, 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 I've been stuck in Old City oh. Centre at two o'clock in the morning. In the morning, yeah, wow, freezing. This is in December, first weekend of December as well, so I wasn't wasn't warm. <laughs> so, yeah. That was good. And, ex and obviously you're still playing, but the RFL have granted you a testimonial season. Um, what plans have you got for, for the season and, and where might people be able to, to support you with your events? Um, well, I've... You know, I've got, we're going to start it in April, um, April to April. Uh, I only got it granted a couple of months back, but it was, you know, we, we're going to set it up right, play it, uh, play it right, do everything we need, that we can so I can, um, you know, be as successful as I can with it. Uh, so we're going to, I've got to, um, I'm hoping to play my game against Cass. Uh, that's just in talks with them, which will be played at Cass. Um, and, all going well this year could be me farewell game, testimonial game, farewell game. Hang the boots up, you know. I'm close to forty now. I've got these two. I've got two boys to run around with. I've got a missus who keeps me on my toes, cleaning all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I'm getting a bit grey in the teeth. So um, I've got. I'm gonna have that, but that'll be later date uh, i've got a few events in in cast that'll that'll be coming up um some stuff in keithley nothing's penned in yet it's all penciled in but you know I'll, I'll start up a website so everyone can can see what's going on and all your um support would be greatly appreciated you know uh i've loved the fans up in in, in, in hull i'm going to try and get a few events up there if possible but um you know, uh, everything that will be happening will be posted uh, in within due course. But, um, you know, I've got shirts uh, that will be coming out on the 9th, which I'm going to try and get up to Hull in the Hull shop. So there's, there's going to be a, a few bit of merchandise going around. And, um, you know, just going to have a fun year, hopefully. Yeah, and, and we wish you all the best with that because, um, you know, like you said, you, you know, you're looking for a, a career after your playing days and, and your testimony will definitely fought forms part of that and you'll always be fondly remembered for your time at Hulkington Rovers for yeah. for playing your part in one of our most, most successful areas especially in the Super League era so it's been a real pleasure speaking to you uh, Jake and we appreciate you giving up your time I know it's not easy especially having two little ones uh, yeah. you know time is precious so I really appreciate it but but wow. everyone listening this has been Jake Webster uh, this is our latest Red Robin Heritage cast which is of course brought to you by 360 Chartered Accountants and Budget Ties Auto Centre. But for now, Jake, take care and thank you. Awesome. Say bye, Luca. Say bye. Bye-bye. Thanks.